When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, home, get down. Right on. Bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad man. I'm a black man in a white world. If I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your way. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Well, it's Thanksgiving weekend and we all have a lot to be thankful for. Me, it's been family friends, thankful for being employed during these times, also also in somewhat good health, but for, for me, it's mostly mentors, starting with my parents, of course, who raised me and made sure that I had the work ethic that I have today, also people like my godfather, Ed Crenshaw, my scoutmaster, William Watkins, but also high school coaches, Travis Brown, Richard Perry, and Lawrence Walls, who you would actually meet next here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. In Pennsylvania, a teenage girl that was about to turn 18 was driving her brand new car home when she looked down to check a text message and struck a tree, killing herself and injuring a friend in the car. The average message takes 4.6 seconds to create. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Please don't drive while intoxicated or allow your friends and family to do so. No text message or phone call is worth dying for. Find Mike Bryant at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Mike Bryant, seeking justice for the injured.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the JB's Low Tech Podcast. As I mentioned earlier, I was uh, this being Thanksgiving weekend and mentioning all the mentors in my life, such as my parents and my godfather, Ed Crenshaw, and others. But I'm also speaking to a gentleman who had a big effect on my life more than he would ever know. And it's my high school football coach, Coach Lawrence Walls. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing great. How you doing, Mr. Blackshear? <laughs> Mr. <laughs> you never <laughs> called me Mr. in my life. <laughs> it, it was either Sheer Black or um or John Black or whatever, but it was never <laughs> Mr. Blackshear. <laughs> well, you deserve to be called Mr. You 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 you've really done something. You know, I can remember when you first came and uh wanted to be a trainer yes and uh how far you took it you know i'm just so proud of you because that's what you wanted to do and and you made a life out of it and i mean you know it took me two or three years to get you know acclimated after you left <laughs> oh come on oh no that's the truth that is the truth well um my sophomore, uh, well, my freshman year, which was my brother's Michael senior year, uh, they had a trainer slash manager named Andre Dotson, and I kind of uh -huh. took notice what Andre had going, and also that he was going off to uh, Oklahoma State, I believe. Right. And um, he was going to further that. And so it was kind of in the back of my mind. But then at the end of my sophomore year, I could see that my football talents weren't going to, you know, I'd probably always be on the team, but I probably wouldn't be making many contributions. And I was like, how can I do something that will get me to uh, make a contribution, but also get to help me further my life? And so I decided from that point to, uh, and that's when I came to you and, um, asked you and you uh enthusiastically said yes so and it just uh history from there between you and i but speaking of uh history we're talking to a uh hall of i'm or i'm talking to a hall of famer um st louis sports hall of fame and also the missouri high school sports hall of fame uh, uh very, very uh, winning record of 248 wins, 53 losses, and two ties. And as many people have claimed, you ran a dynasty in the city of St. Louis. Well, I tell you, Black, I, I was blessed to have some young men who bought into our program. Coach Perry yes. and I. You know, we did this together. You right. know, the head co the head coach gets all of the accolades and you know everything. But with uh, our program, if it hadn't been for Coach Perry, we never would have been as successful because he did it on one side of the ball, which was the defensive side. Right. I did it on the offensive side, and we shared the game. Yes. We shared everything right down the middle. So you know, I, I I'm in the Hall of Fame, but Coach Perry 
has to be standing right next to me. Yeah, you had a couple of uh, assistants, such as Coach Runt and a few yeah. others who were in and out. But it was mainly you two guys. It's not like you see now where, um, you know, when my son played high school in the early 2000s, his football team had probably 12, you know, 12, co- uh, 12 assistant coaches and a head coach. So, you know, it was just you two guys out there trying to mold young men to um, be successful. Do you have um, – well, let's uh, start here, uh, here, Coach. Can you talk about maybe your upbringing and your life before you started coaching? Well, I grew up in the Ville area, which is, you know, where we lived. And uh, the Ville area was a proud area for blacks. And, uh, you know, we tried to, I think the, the neighborhood, kind of pushed us towards being successful. And, uh, you know, I knew people from miles around when I lived in the Ville. And uh, I also attended Sumner High School. Mm-hmm. So P- Coach Perry also attended Sumner High School. In fact, we lived four doors apart on the same street. We grew up on the same street, Evans Avenue. And uh, it was just... Um, something about that Ville area that made you want to be successful. Yeah, uh, for my listeners, um, well, the St. Louis listeners know the Ville very well, but my non-St. Louis listeners, the Ville, or short for the village, um, were was the area where black professionals uh, lived at the time like uh, doctors and lawyers and other professionals right. uh, lived. And then um, then there were others as time went on. But uh, it, it had the name The Ville. Um, so you said you attended Sumner High. Did you play football at Sumner High? Yes, I did. Coach Perry played football at Sumner. And, you know, Blackshear, the weird thing about it is after we had both graduated from Sumner, and we were both teaching in the elementary school. We used to come over and watch them practice. Right. And we would, you know, Perry and I would say, Shh, if we ever got over here as coaches, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be like this, you know what I mean? Right. We, because we didn't think they were demanding enough from the kids. And uh, it was amazing. All of a sudden, uh, my football coach, Mr. Miller, who mm-hmm. became, a, uh, you know, principal, uh, called me one day and said, meet me in the office. I want you to sign some papers and to come to coach at Sumner High School. And as soon as I did that, uh, well, first of all, I told my wife, I was coaching little league ball. And I said, I'm not going to go over there and fool around at Sumner. <laughs> I'm going to stay with these little leaguers. And I never will forget, I walked in the office and Mr. Miller said to me, take these papers and sign them. And I went to say something. He said, I said, sign the papers. <laughs> so I signed the papers. And uh, that was that was it, you know. And then as soon as I, I, I got uh, involved, I went and got to uh, Perry. And that mm-hmm. was the best thing that I ever did. Well, I have to, um, have to acknowledge something here. 
there uh i have 50 uh plus episodes that i've recorded and i can only think of two other times that i've been this nervous to talk to someone the oh, other no. <laughs> the other person was my uncle and uh i can't rec- uh the the other was the first interview that i did was my one of my college roommates <laughs> who who works for spike lee and you know i had the nerves because it was um the first interview and i i don't i don't think you know this but i did uh I was part of a morning radio show in town for 22 years. So speaking oh. to a microphone isn't something new for me or even part, I was part after that part of a podcast for five years. So talking to a microphone, it's nothing new, but I am definitely got the <laughs> little nerves today. I can't. Oh no. <laughs> well, when you guys took over, um, It became a it became a team and a program, and and you said one interesting thing. You, you said you had mentioned that they um, weren't getting or what the expectations weren't there. How did you go about starting to lay the expectations? Well, the first year I was there. Uh, Mr. Miller had told me he wanted me to assist the coach who was there. And uh, that's what I did. He told me the next year you'll take over the program. Well, when, when I was there as the assistant coach, I really kind of noticed that the coach and the players were distant. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got a little closer with the kids, you know, and even though I wasn't the head coach, but I got, we got kind of a, a feeling for each other. You know what I mean? Right. That we, we cared what happened, you know, to each other. And then the next year when, uh, I was appointed the head coach, the first thing we did was sit down with the kids, had a meeting and told them, what we expected of them and asked them what they expected of us. And we told them that this was the last time Sumner would be walked over. We were going to change the culture. Right. And when, when I went to Sumner, a lot of the little leaguers that played and we all knew each other mm-hmm. and so a lot of them came to Sumner, and that Byron Price, Oscar and Har- uh, Surreal Harvey, mm-hmm. Ben Collins, James Collins, all these guys came to Sumner, and they ended up starting. And, uh, well, the first year they played on the B level, right. and then the next year they started, and we missed the playoffs by one game. We lost the the last game, if we had won that game, we would have made it to the playoffs. But, uh, you know, we decided, you know, we're going to do this together. We're going to make the sacrifices together. You know, we're going to class. You know, we, 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 we made the kids understand what was the important thing, you know what I mean? Right. And our motto was, you use football, don't let football use you. 
and uh, you know it 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 carried us a long way. Yeah. Yes. Um, what you did is uh, something that is <laughs> something that is used at a lot of colleges and a lot of even NFL teams, which is to give the athlete a voice in what's going on and, and make make him feel like it's their program. I have a a friend here at the in Minneapolis. He's the head baseball coach at the University of Minnesota, and he's been the head coach for uh, 40 years, uh, going on 41 years. He started at age 26. And when he took over the program, one of the things he started doing was having the players take ownership of the program and him being the guide. So so you were on the right path there doing things. So you, uh, your first year as head coach was 1972? Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, how long after did you finally make the playoffs? Uh, we made it in 72. Okay. <clears throat> and we won it <clears throat> in 72. <clears throat> when you say won it, you're talking about state title? Yes. <laughs> With um, So... As people would say, what they would call it, a trick offense. Now, it was a mixed direction offense, and I know that. But people, I would hear other people refer to it as a trick offense. Uh, <laughs> can you tell me who your mentor was in developing that offensive scheme? My mentor was the great Eddie Robinson, who coached at Grambling. And... Uh, put so many young men into the pros and I went down there, coach Perry and I went down to ground for three straight years. <clears throat> and uh, coach Rob and uh, Jim Lee, who was the line coach, mm-hmm. they were my mentors. And then Fred Collins was the defensive coach and he was Perry's mentor. And what they taught us, they shared everything with us. They didn't hold nothing back. And uh, we we went to, the first year we went down there was the, the when when I was a getting ready to be the head coach, and uh, we ended up winning it that year. And uh, the things we learned about every part of the game, we have gone after that after we had. Uh, the three years that we went to Grambling, we started going to different colleges. Yes. We went to Oklahoma. Or, uh, I could just run a list. I mean, every year we would go to a different college. But we never learned anything more than what we had been taught at Grambling. We, you know, we, we had some things that were reinforced. But the knowledge of the game, you know, they were really just outstanding. Well, uh, it must have been wonderful to have such a, because he's a giant in college football. Oh, no doubt. And um, I mean, he's still recognized and talked about today, and um, that must have been a great, um, a great help to you and to Coach Perry to have somebody in your corner. Can you tell the story of how um, how he contacted you? 
Yeah, I, I what I had written him a, a letter and asking him, telling him that I would like to come down and and you know visit during spring ball and you know because I had watched Grambling on uh, television and uh, I wanted to pattern myself after uh, a black university, so you know I was wouldn't you know ask him if he if, if it would be okay if we came down well I didn't hear from him and uh, I said well I guess you know he don't want to be bothered <laughs> and then one day I we had a track meet at Normandy mm-hmm. and uh, I had to I ran by the house on my way to Normandy to let my dog out and just as I was leaving I closed the door and I heard the phone ring and I said, Oh hell, I'll let the answer machine get it. But something just kept saying, no, you go get it. And I opened the door and ran in and I picked up the phone and I said, hello. And I heard somebody on the other line say, hello, is there a coach falls there? And I recognized his voice. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, coach Robinson. And he said, yeah. And uh, coach, before we go any further, I just want you to know I would be happy for you to come down here. We would love to have you. And that was the start. That that was very nice of him, but it was very wonderful for, because he became an extension of our program and he would probably have no clue how many lives he helped through you guys. Right. Um, uh, mind being one, but the uh, the offense that he uh, showed and actually ran himself at Grambling, uh, what was the, the actual title of it? Uh, the wing T, okay. Delaware wing, Delaware wing, ring T, wing T. Yeah. You know, let me share another thing with you. When we first went down there, you know, Perry and I, we didn't want to get you know, in the way. Right. So we took a camera and we, we up in the stands and they're practicing. We're filming the practice. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, he was coaching and coaching. And then he happened to look up in the stands and he saw us. He stopped practicing, walked over to the stands and said, I thought you guys came down here to learn some football. (laughs) And we said, we did coach, you know, Mm -hmm. we, so he said, well, what are you doing up there? Come on down here with us, and we he 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 had us to go in the meetings. Everything they did, he shared with us, and uh, you know, it was just it was just outstanding. Well, I also neglected to uh, in my introduction uh, to bring one historic piece: Charles Sumner High School in uh, St. Louis, Missouri is the still the oldest all-black high school west of the Mississippi. Um, and um, when you, you talk about trying to build a program in the inner city, and um, people would say constantly it couldn't, it couldn't uh, be a power, it couldn't be, it couldn't win. How did you take that? Well, we took it, you know what I mean, that we were going to change that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we 
we just believed we had enough talent to change it. What we had to do was change the mindset of the kids. They had lost a lot of times, you know, for so many times they had lost, you know. But we made them believe that they could win. And, uh, you know, I I tell coaches sometimes, young coaches come up and they want to know what we did different, you know. And we we had what we call, uh, when we would practice, Perry would be on one end, mm-hmm. I'm on the other end. And then when practice ended, practice wasn't over until we the kids knew we would say goal line. Right. That meant we would put the ball on the ten yard line and if they won, they stopped us. We didn't score. If we won, we scored and they didn't stop us. But the kids sometimes they would be in tears. I mean they would cry if they didn't score. But the amazing thing about that Black Shear was we never had an injury with goal line. Right. Because because the kids I mean the hitting was a tremendous. It was hard, hard hitting. But if a guy had a chance to really hurt somebody, he would pull up. Right. You know, they 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 were determined they were not going to hurt their own. But when when you got in the game, all is fair. Well, we we knew we needed each other, and putting somebody out, putting your own teammate out, would be just stupid. So right, right. Well, we all knew that. Uh, the other thing that you were forerunner of was speed kills. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and now you see it, whereas you don't have to be the biggest and baddest. You know, size can be a uh, size can help, but speed kills. That's right. I mean, you, the people you had running the ball, but also linemen who could move and uh, defensive linemen that could move and linebackers. There was speed all over the field. Yes, yes it was. And I know that you always didn't mind guys running track and um, because you knew that was going to help their speed. And uh, so. And I, I never believed that you should limit a kid because he may be a great football player, but he may be much better as a baseball player or right. a basketball player. We had a kid, Albert Thomas. Albert Thomas was a heck of a basketball player. He went to college on a basketball scholarship, but as a, he started uh, quarterback as a, as a sophomore. Right. He he was an outstanding football player too, but his love was basketball, and you know it took him you know on to the next level. So you know I don't think you should limit a kid. You know. Yeah, I had the same conversation. Um, believe it or not, with the uh, baseball hall of Major League Baseball Hall of Famer uh, Paul Molitor, a couple uh-huh. of weeks on this on my program, and um, if you're wondering what the connection is, he's a former Gopher baseball player. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and he said the same thing. I talked about how you know you literally are cross training athletes when you do that when they played mm-hmm. different sports. So uh-huh. um, so with the uh, wing T offense, um, why were people so mes- mesmerized and unsuccessful stopping it? Well, you know, if, if you ran it right and 
you know, and if the thing that, that really, I think, made us what we were, we, we learned the offense from the best person that we could have learned it from. And everything kind of gels together. It's, it's not, see, some people think, oh, if I could run that, you know, we, we would be successful. But that's not true. You've got to, everything, the line play and the backfield, all of that is synchronized. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do all of that, if you leave one part out, you're not going to be successful. Yeah, I remember uh, watching plays being drilled over and over and over again till <laughs> it met your standards of perfection. Um, yeah. <laughs> but also, you, you, you uh, to kind of jump around here, you uh, or jump back, you also talked about not only uh, expectations on the field, but also in the classroom to the okay. point that you uh, – we had to take around uh, grading cards every week <laughs> with, for uh, uh, reports from our teachers. Um, why did you do that? Well, you know, it really, I wanted to, to, you know, make sure the kids understood that we were interested in education first because you know, you can be a great football player, and if you don't have any grades, then this is as far as you can go. And my motto was, you use football. Don't let football use you. And also, it got the teachers involved. Yes. Because if if, if a kid was having a problem, instead of sending him to the principal, they would call me. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I would go up and, and, and you know, we had some some uh, something that was going to happen to you. <laughs> if you didn't, if you, you know, if you acting a fool in the classroom, you know. And uh, it got to the point where that was just a part of us. And it made us try harder, I think. Made the kids try harder. And uh, because it's it's, I don't know how many of our kids went on to college, but it's a, it's a large number. Yeah. I was going to ask that question. If you had any clue of how many went on to college, I don't have a clue, but I mean, it was a large number. It was in the hundreds for sure. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, um, from going from probably a program where college scouts ignored to college scouts, um, were there on a daily basis must have been a great feeling. You know, one time, uh, the only time, in fact, he came to our school, uh, Barry Switzer from mm-hmm. Oklahoma came in around 7 o'clock in the morning and said, I'm Coach Switzer from Oklahoma, and, uh, you know, I'd like to uh, meet with uh, Anthony Stafford. Yes. So, you know, I got him and Stafford together, and uh, I went out for my first class. Well, when I went out for my first class, Coach Schweitzer went out too. So, you know, I, you know, I'm used to coaches coming, and mm-hmm. then they leave and go to somewhere else, and you know, then we come back in. I go out for my second class. Who's standing right next to me? <laughs> Coach Schweitzer. So, 
when I went out for the third class, I said, hey, coach, I know you're going to some other schools. Do you need me to give you some directions? He looked at me. He said, going to some other schools? He said, I came here for one player. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and when, he, when, when, when Stafford left that day and was on his way home, who you think was walking next to him? <laughs> Coach Switzer. Coach Switzer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I remember his, um, uh, as we called him, Bebe's freshman year. Uh, we actually went down to Oklahoma and played against him. And um, it was a prideful day for me uh, watching him from the other sideline and seeing him do well. Um, so it was it was a big deal um, for me to have to see somebody from the same neighborhoods as me uh, starting as a freshman and doing so well. Uh-huh. It, it was it was you know I kept pointing to people. Yeah, and, and you know what I asked him uh, about that. Uh, I said, uh, "Baby, I don't understand something." He said, "What's that, Coach?" I said you got those big running backs and you about 175 pounds <laughs> and you're playing and they're not playing. I, I mean, I said, they're fast. He said, coach, the difference in them and me, he said, they were the featured back. Said they all, nobody, they, they never had to block anybody cause they was always carrying the ball. Right. He said, you taught all of us that if you don't block, you don't play. Yep. And he said, "That's the difference. I can block, and they can." <laughs> yeah, he he, you know, he'd come around, and if he didn't get the ball, he'd look for somebody to to uh, tattoo or waylay or lay out, as we call <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, in clean practices, I can say that there was probably more hard hitting in our practices and in a lot of games that went on <laughs> a lot guys took a lot of pride in bring bringing it and yes. um so you were you won four state championships that's correct uh what were the hurdles you faced doing that well it you know it it was always a struggle trying to you know get things together it, if, if you went to, to uh, sometimes you didn't have the proper equipment you know that some 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 schools they, they they have several pairs of cleats mm -hmm. if our kids had one pair you know right and and we tried you know what I mean to do everything we could to make it equal but uh, you know it wasn't uh, I tell you one thing though we were always proud because we always looked Yes. Uh, I know. I remember a uh, reporter was writing about a season and he was talking about who had the best cheerleaders and who had the best this and who had the best that. And the last thing he had on there was who was the best dressed team. And he said Sumner High School from head to toe. Because that's one thing we tried to do. We mm -hmm. tried to put on a uniform that, that we were proud of. And uh, and we wanted to. I thought, I, I, but I always felt like if 
you look good, you play good. You know, if you, right. you go out there looking at yourself and you're looking at the other team and you you admiring them, then you know that's not good. So we we always tried to make sure that our kids didn't take a back seat to anyone. Well, you uh, and if I had any of my past athletes from the University of Minnesota uh, on this call they would say that I taught them the same thing (laughs) (laughs) and um, never told them where it came from, but they would always say and ask why I would go the extra mile to make sure, you know, the uniform design was crisp or the uniform was clean beyond, you know, beyond where it needed to be or whatever it took Uh as, as an equipment manager. And I just look at him and say, for you guys to play good, you need to look good. And it's my, it's my job to make you look good. (laughs) So, (laughs) and they started quoting that after a while and passing that down. Oh yeah. They'd be like, JB will always have us looking good. And it's like, yep. Because that's, (laughs) that's the, that's the one thing that I had control over. Uh huh. At the you know at the college level, the equipment manager has the control of that. So I didn't never wanted them to go out there and look like a clown show. Nor right. did I want them to go out there and look you know tattered and half-assed either. So so people now know where that attitude came from. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, uh, speaking of equipment, there is a, and this is my term, iconic helmet that's tied to Sumner High School football, and that that's the one with the head, the pennant, and with the bulldog underneath. Uh huh. Do you remember who you allowed to design that helmet? No, who? <laughs> me. <laughs> Did you? Yes, you you gave me the decals and told me take this home and figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been doing. I was like, so in high school it was the first time I was able to actually design a, a, a piece of equipment, and uh, well. so it, it brought about that calling, I guess. But uh, yeah, and I was so nervous, you know. I would change things and I'd put it back and and I kept and it's like no this is this is the only thing that makes sense to me and I when I brought it back to you and Coach Perry I had it in a bag and I was so so nervous and I was like here you go and it's like okay they're gonna tell me no don't like it how stupid am I this that and the other and you both looked at me and were like blown away and I can't tell you what that meant for me <laughs> well I tell you what. You were a very special part of our program, Black. You, I mean, you, you know, when once you decided what you wanted to do, you jumped in all in. I mean, from the time you, when when we spent the money to send you to the Mizzou uh, trainer camp. Twice. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you, you went twice because you, you, you know, you did something. You know, when when you came back from those camps, hell, Perry and I were relieved. We didn't have to do it anymore. And the kids would come down and say, I need blacks to, 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 to take me. 
before that, it was Coach Perry, can you take me? Coach Walls, can you take me? But not when you were there. No, not when you were there. <laughs> I appreciate that. And it, and it got to a point where other coaches were <laughs> were asking me uh, to do it, you know, Travis Brown and Coach Blaylock for baseball. So um, I guess others saw the same thing, which um, which actually helped me as I moved on to college. Uh-huh. The other thing that you did for me was when college coaches came in at practice time and wanted to see film, you had me go in with them and show the film and speak on behalf of whoever they were, um, whoever they came to watch. Uh huh. That's a lot of responsibility to put on a 17 year old's head. <laughs> <laughs> so what were your thoughts on that? Well, I knew you could deal with it, you know, because you were just so efficient, Black. I mean, you really were, man. And you can understand how, you know, lost we were once you had left. It took us a couple of years to get acclimated with you not being there. <laughs> well, your your last state championship, I actually came back home that Thanksgiving and actually uh, – me and some friends drove over to the game, and you put me to work. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, not only did I tape ankles, but it, you know, I repaired helmets and all those things. Right. And right. Um, to the point now, I have my own equipment side re- equipment repair business. It's mostly uh, ball gloves, but I, you know. I can do some other things if need be, but for uh-huh. the most part, I get contacted by baseball and softball parents or uh, players looking to uh, get their glove redone. So I'm still doing some things, even though I'm out of college athletics. Uh-huh. So those those four titles, what did those mean for you? Well, they they really, you know, that that's the, uh, once you do that, you know, you know that for that particular year, you were the best in your division, you know, whether it was six, six at level six or level five or level four, you know, and uh, it's just, and it's something that, you know, the kids remember for a lifetime, you know, and uh, as a coach, (laughs) I remember it also. And it's just another, you know, something that has so many famous people. Right. People don't know, you know, <laughs> right. uh, just to mention one, Tina Turner. Right. You know, I mean, it, it's amazing, you know. And then Arthur Ashe. Yes. You know, if if we start going down the list, <laughs> Chuck it'll Berry. take us a long time, yep. you know. Yep. Chuck but, Berry uh, went to you know, school there. It, yeah. And, and, and like you were saying, the neighborhood, you know, mm-hmm. that's where – our doctors lived, our lawyers lived, you know, most of your teachers lived, you know, and it was now it looks like there's nothing there. Right. That's that's the part that hurts, you know. Yeah. You when, know, you, yeah. When I do go home, it does bring a tear in my eye to drive right. down those neighborhoods and see them vacant. Yeah. No house standing on. Right. And it breaks my heart. You know, here in Minneapolis, if you buy a plot of land, you have to build a house within a certain amount of time or you have to sell it. Uh-huh. And to me, that's 
for me, that's the way it should be. Right. But, um, you know, we, we allowed that to happen and it just breaks my heart. Yeah. That's like, uh, the area I live in now for a while, all of a sudden we started having vacant houses or houses that were occupied by people who were not buying, they were renting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, a lot of the property was being bought up by people from out of town and then realized what was going on. So now you can't buy a property here and rent no more rental property. So if anybody, now if the people that are in the rental properties, if they're in there, they can stay. But once they move, you can't rent that property again. Right. So now we're getting down to where we, you know, we used to see a lot of signs for mm-hmm. rent. You right. don't see no more for rent signs, you know. So the neighborhood won't deteriorate because if you if you have people that are, you know, just constantly moving in and out, in and out, that's not good for a neighborhood. Well, there's no pride, no ownership. Right. And, right. and if, you know, if you uh, drive it like you don't have a dime in it, then you don't care. You just walk away. <laughs> Right. I mean, my uh, childhood home, me and my uh, eight siblings still own, and we're constantly trying to repair it or take care of it or do what needs to be done. And those are the things that have to happen. Right. So, and, you know, it's a place for, I think we have a nephew living in one half and a, one of my sisters living in the other half because it was uh-huh. a, it was a uh, what they call here a duplex. <laughs> Uh-huh. So, yeah. Um, never heard that term till I came here. I just oh. heard upstairs and downstairs. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we try to keep it occupied, but also keep it up, have some pride. So, but I think that also came from the pride itself that was instilled to us by not only our parents, but our neighborhood and, and right. also. You know, all nine of us are graduates of Sumner High, so that was also instilled in us by that, too. Um, so with um, getting back to the four state titles, um, when you won the first, how was, what was the feeling? Accomplishment? Relief? Oh, it, you know, it was relief and... Uh... It was just a great feeling, and especially to have done it, you know, in that uh, second year as, a, you know, head coach. And uh, to be the only inner city high school to win a state championship. And that, that was really a great feeling. How often... Were you told you can't do can't do this, you can't do that, you can't, you can't, you can't? All the time, all the time. You know, the, something that really kind of hurt me, uh, my coach, Mr. Miller was my coach in high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we, his son played on, was the quarterback on the little league team of Sorrell and Ben and those guys. And they, they wanted him to come to Sumner with them because his daddy was was the principal. Right. But he went, they 
you know, sent him to St. Louis U. Well, the first time we, uh, the first team we played at the state championship was uh, St. Louis U. So Mr. Miller called me in the office and said, now, you know, I want y'all to go out there and, and, and play as hard as you can. But, you know, our boys just don't have indicating that they were going to outthink us. Right. Which really hurt me, you know. Yeah. But I, I told him, I said, Mr. Miller, you know, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, I, what you're saying doesn't make sense to me. You know, our kids may not, may not be an A in biology, but as far as this game goes, we know this game as well as anybody. And when we went out there, it was a close game, mm-hmm. but we won. Well, and that was the greatest feeling for me. Well, that goes back to that that thinking that kept blacks from being quarterbacks. Right, a center. Right, you can't be a center because you can't think, think upside down. Right, <laughs> and um, you, you can't be a middle linebacker, or you can't right. be. Uh, you can't. Uh, you know, be certain positions in other sports because you you lack the mental capacity to to do those things. Right. And I learned from you and also my godfather Ed Crenshaw that that was n- never the case. And um, go out and show them different. Right. So as you go on and you just being more and more successful, I just you know the. The effect um, you talked about uh, the players having ownership, but you also having a relationship with players. I can't tell people how many countless times that players maybe stubbed their toes and and you not walking away from them and um, you trying to do whatever you can. Now you never said that uh, you wouldn't be held responsible. But you also said that you would be there in their corner. Uh, what brought that about? Well, you know, we nobody's perfect, and sometimes, you know, we we make mistakes. And I always thought that, you know, you try to kind of help a kid along rather than throwing him under the bus. You know, right? We're, sometimes we're too quick to say you know, what somebody's not going to do or what they're not going to be because they made one mistake. So, you know, and I, I just don't, didn't feel like I, I could give up on a kid, you know. Our, our, our relationship was just too strong to give up on a kid. And you also, and, oh, go ahead, Coach. Go, go on, go on. No, I was going to say, and you also, um, fought for young men that you knew were wrongly being arrested, detained, prosecuted to help uh, gain their freedom. And I right. know there's that happened more, more than one occasion. And now you look at this country and they're finally opening their eyes to such uh, bias and whatnot. Right. But back then you were one of the voices uh, for us. Was that because you had seen those same uh, those same uh, injustices yourself? Right, right. 
And, uh, you know, I, I, I just believe in, you know, my race. Right. You know, because, you know, if we, it's been proven that whatever we put our minds to, we can do. Yeah. Um, we just got to, we have to, and I have done this with my children. But we have to make sure that every parent does that with their children and instill that sense of worth, that sense of uh, you can be somebody, that sense of um, accomplishment. Right. To, in some people's mind, it's a dangerous thing when put in the, when put in the right hands. And it was, def- right. <laughs> it was definitely put in your hands, the right man. As, as we close here, Coach... Um, I want to bring up one of my greatest life lessons under you. I was in charge of, when we got to the end of practice, I was in charge of going in and, and opening up things so the players could put uh, dummies and pads away and also uh, get into the building and um, get showered and changed and go home and those things. And uh, one time, I unknown, uh, not knowing that we were going to do kicking practice, took the footballs in. (laughs) (laughs) And you sent somebody in to come get me and bring the balls with me. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And I brought the balls out, and you addressed me one side to the other. And, I, you know, I thought I was – I thought I just wanted to dig a hole and and hide. And you – after the players went in – you pulled me to the side and you said, look, understand one thing. Don't be upset because I yelled at you. Listen to the message, which was pay attention to what's going on and be aware of your surroundings and be smart about what you do. And I would tell people who, you know, and I worked under many a coach in college, including Lou Holtz and People have asked me who yelled, you know, when they yelled at you, did it ever bother you? I said, only one time. And they would say, who? And I said, when Coach Walls did it in high school. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it was the only time after that, because you taught me that pay attention to the message, not how it's being said. And I think that's that's just the, the best way of summing things up with you sometimes was always listen to the message, not how it's being presented. Well, I, I tell you, it's been a pleasure just visiting with you for this, this small amount of time, but, you know, I'm so proud of you. Don't ever think I'm not proud of you. I am so proud of you because you knew what you wanted and you worked hard to get it. You didn't look for anybody to give you anything. You climbed that ladder one wrong at a time so I, I i was blessed to have you well and that goes back to the one time when i decided that i was going to do what i was going to do and for some strange reason i thought that i was going to get some pointers from uh andre dotson and i came to you coach perry and said well he doesn't seem to want to help me and you both looked at me and said don't worry about that you get your own you build your own, you learn yourself, and we're going to help you. And that's what happened. You know, you sent me to the University of Missouri two summers for a week 
to learn how to tape and treat injuries and do other things. And I can never be as grateful. Before we close here, can you talk about the um, going into the Hall of Fames that you have been placed in? Well, you know, like I said, it, it was an honor. It, it's always an honor to, uh, you know, to be recognized by your peers. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a great feeling. It's another accomplishment for Sumner High School. That's how I look at it. It's another accomplishment for Sumner High School because of the inner city school. I might be the only one, I think, that's in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, it's like I say, the maroon and white, you know, that that's another, you know, star in that crown. <laughs> yeah. Um, here at the University of Minnesota, our colors are maroon and gold. And as I tell the young people, I say, always have pride in the royal and regal colors of maroon and gold. And that's because maroon has always been a part of my life. And, and as I explained to them, I said, when, you're, when you bleed, your blood color is not red. Your blood color is maroon. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, it is the color of, of kings and queens. And, and don't ever forget that and hold yourself to that. And that, again, something that was passed through us from you and Coach Perry. And like I said, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you deserve your uh, accolades, your Hall of Fame uh, enshrinements, and all the things that have come your way because you you and Coach Perry took the time, cared, and changed the lives of so many people who became, you know, teachers, doctors, lawyers, business owners, people who were uh, credit to society, just continue to build and continue to teach through us and now through other generations that we've had. Right. I've been, you know, still installed things or instilled things to my son, and um, he carries those things. And my, you know, daughter also. Just want to say thank you. I knew I had to have you on eventually. Sorry it took so long for me to figure that out. But um, it has been a pleasure and an honor to have you on today. Thank you so much, Black. And I'm just, you know, it's been a pleasure talking with you and just kind of bringing back some old things, you know. <laughs> it's <laughs> all old memories. Right. It's always good to travel down um, memory lane. And, um, and it's always good to know that, you know, you're there for us if, you need, if we need you. So thanks again. Hey, no, no, no. No problem, and like you say, I'm here for you. Well, again, ladies and gentlemen, this has been JB's Low Tech Podcast with Sumner High School legendary football coach, Coach Lawrence Walls. Thanks, Coach. Thank you, Black. You take care. Yeah, you too. Bye.
In Pennsylvania, a teenage girl that was about to turn 18 was driving her brand new car home when she looked down to check a text message and struck a tree, killing herself and injuring a friend in the car. The average message takes 4.6 seconds to create. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw & Bryant. Please don't drive while intoxicated or allow your friends and family to do so. No text message or phone call is worth dying for. Find Mike Bryant at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Mike Bryant, seeking justice for the injured. J.B. is my name and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Point on Negro, Black, African American. Black, Black, Black. Django. J.B. Damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know I Baby, our great Negro sex machine.